Hi friends, welcome to Bar of the Conference. I'm your host, Derek Scott III. Today's episode is with Dr. Michael Bowie. Dr. Mike is an elder in the North Texas Annual Conference and the National Director of Strengthening the Black Church for the 21st Century, one of the national plans of the UMC. With over 20 years of experience as a pastor, church strategist, and transformative leader, he is now leveraging his gifts to strengthen Black congregations across our connection. I didn't plan on this being a super personal conversation, but Dr. Mike's ability to speak to the gifts and realities of the Black church are so compelling. In this episode, we discuss the history of the UMC as relates to its support and lack thereof of Black Christians. We talk about the ways that theology and age do not have to be points of division, and the shifts that we all need to make as we consider the future of our denomination. Dr. Mike is not afraid to tell it like it is, but he is also the kind of leader that keeps hope on the table. Of many things you're going to hear, you will be challenged to consider how you, yes you, can support the ongoing work of strengthening the Black church as a key component of the United Methodist Church's future. So as always, grab that notebook and that choice beverage, but also pay attention, particularly to the show notes, as there is an opportunity for you to support SBC 21 and its work. So be challenged and inspired by this episode with Dr. Michael Bowie. Dr. Mike Bowie, how you doing today? I am doing well, Derek. How awesome. you doing, buddy? I'm good. And yeah. I am grateful that you were willing to join me on this podcast. Um, real excited to hear some of your story. I've just watched you um, in leadership, uh, particularly the last few years. Really? In different mm. spaces. Mm. And um, I, I because I wasn't raised United Methodist, there, there are always these parts of our connection that I find out about. I was like, how long has that been been around? And people yeah. were like, that's been around for a while. Like, how long has that person been doing leadership? Like, you don't know them? I was like, no. Yeah. <laughs> and and so um, I, I remember just catching wind of strengthening the Black church mm-hmm. and, and the work that you all did, but honestly not knowing a whole lot about it. And then meeting you in some other spaces yeah. and and like, well, so who's Dr. Mike? And like, so I'm just really <laughs> grateful to get a few minutes with you. Well, and I, the invitation, man. I appreciate this. Oh, absolutely. Um, and so I'd love to just hear, yeah. um, just to start off, your journey of faith, how you became a follower of Jesus, but also United Methodist Christian, God's prevenient okay. grace in your life. Yeah, I'd yeah. just love to hear okay. some of that. Well, well, like you said, I, I wasn't always United Methodist. I was born and raised Catholic, uh, born and raised Catholic to about 19 okay. years of age. A uh, friend of mine invited me to Windsor Village United Methodist Church. Windsor's mm-hmm. um, church in Houston, Texas uh, was one of the largest churches back in the uh, I think late 90s, early 2000s, um, 
African-American in the black church um, under the leadership of um, Kirby John Caldwell. And um, so um, there, uh, matter of fact, I remember the date, November 18th, 1990, um, became right. a, um, a member of the United Methodist Church. And I never forget my mama came home. I said, hey, mama, I joined Wednesday. She said, you joined the church. She was, um, you left the church. I said, well, they told me I was the church. And so, you know, just going back and forth, <laughs> they, well, they had some good singing and, and good preaching. And, and you know, I, I'm like, well, that pretty much uh, kind of defines what a church is about, you know, for the mm. most part. So join, join the church November 18, 1990. Um, 92, Windsor got a second campus in downtown Houston. I was a senior at the time at Texas Southern University. And I heard Windsor had another campus. They asked people to go to uh, the place close to where they, they live. So I went to visit. Um, it was St. John's, St. John's downtown. And at the time, um, Pastor Rudy and Juanita Rasmus were the, the campus pastors. Kirby mm -hmm. John Caldwell was the actual senior pastor. So, so mm -hmm. went there, visited 92, became a member in 93. Uh, I had a uh, desire to go to law school. I was accepted at Thurgood Marshall School of Law. And that summer of 95, 95, man, I, I lost the, the passion for um, for law and, and encountered what it means to be a person of grace and accepted my call and went to St. Paul School of Theology for seminary in Kansas City, Missouri. And uh, went there from 95 to 98, came back home. Um, now, mind you, all I had was my, my, my context of ministry was Windsor Village and St. John's, all uh, cutting edge, very Wesleyan driven, not so much as United Methodist, Wesleyan driven, which I would say I'm a pretty much strong Wesleyan follower. Um, um, but I learned that those two contexts it is it's not the norm for the United Methodist Church. So came back, got appointed to a church, uh, love United Methodist. It was a declining um suburban church, uh, black church in North Houston. I was reared in South Houston and the Southern part of Houston. my wife is from North Houston. So I ended up matriculating up North, became an honorary uh, North sider, as we would call it. Church mm -hmm. was declining and it grew physically, numerically from, I would say a hundred, I had like 121 on the roll uh, to close to 800 when I left. Um, so the church, man, I, I would attribute the growth to uh preaching community outreach um and and we had a strong sense of um uh teaching we did spiritual formation was real strong there and uh but um engaging the community was another thing so the church grew i ended up going uh gingsburg church uh 2004 um left a texas annual conference went to west ohio I've been hearing about uh mike slaughter read some of his books and uh ended up being the teaching pastor there from uh, 04 to uh, 09, uh, had brain surgery, had brain surgery, went back, came back to Houston. I'm from Houston, came back here to heal and uh, had a baseball sized tumor to the right side of my brain. It had been there 12 years. I didn't know it. Uh, the neurologist said, we thought you were going to die. So I'm glad you all aren't God. So, so, so Derek, yeah. I have this mantra, man, that I say, uh, embrace life. So if you follow yeah. the medium. Embrace life means to live in the present. All we have at this moment uh, at uh, 847 mm -hmm. Central Time. We have this mm -hmm. moment. I live in the present. I live on purpose. And every day I live with passion. That's what it means to embrace life for me. So uh, yeah. been embracing life, man, since 2009. Fast forward um, 
went to Stony Brook Church in, in Gahanna, Ohio, which is a suburb of Columbus. First black pastor there. And um, unique thing about that, when I got there, Derek, four families left immediately because of my race. Uh, they say we can handle, we can't control uh, handling Obama, but we can control handling Bowie. So they chose me not to be their, their pastor. So four, four families left and um, it was okay. I said they're lost. Um, but that was a unique experience. Um, left there five years later, uh, went back to Texas, St. Luke Community United Methodist Church. St. Luke was, um, if, I don't know if you know, uh, Dr. Zan Wesley Holmes. Zan Holmes is probably one of our spiritual giants uh, in Methodism. He was a part of uh, instrumental BMCR, Black Methodist for Church Renewal, back mm -hmm. in very justice-driven guy. Um, the church had gone through a major, uh, prominent church, one of the Black flagship churches around the country. So I went there to help revitalize it. And I would say under my leadership, man, we experienced um, growth um, spiritually, got health and leadership, uh, got our identity back. Um, church grew like 38 percent. Um, so we had some people joining. Um, but also it wasn't about um, physical joining, but it was about getting the church position to be ready what God was doing. So we left. We left uh, three months into the pandemic. And getting a call to go to St. Uh, Luke, to go to be the uh, National Director of Strength in the Black Church. And um, been here since 2020. Um, so we shifted during, uh, during the pandemic. And uh, if you look at my journey, man, it's all been about revitalizing, doing things innovative, uh, doing things that are different. And uh, so that, that's what caused me to this work. I appreciate just the... Uh the the breadth of yeah. of where you've been um and i'm i'm wondering as you sort of went from these different appointments mm -hmm. what what has been your thought about the united methodist church in the us mm -hmm. um generally mm -hmm. but specifically as a as a black pastor mm. wow. in the denomination. What what is what is your thought about yeah. not so much where we could go, we'll talk about yeah, that later. Yeah. But and we'll and we'll talk specifically about the role of the black church yeah. um in black united Methodism. But but I'm I'm just wondering generally yeah just my what's your thought. Yeah. Well you know I, I think a good question. I, I think first of all um 98 um, well, that go even night from 90, you know, th um, this denomination for lack of it has been pretty good to me. And I, I say that very selfish, but very uh, with a heart of gratitude. Um, when I came into this uh, denomination, um, I'm thinking everything was like Windsor and St. John's cutting edge, vibrant. But when I saw the, the desperate need um, for, for um, strategic leadership and, and, and having vision, um, I knew this is where I was supposed to be. And I would say um, what I appreciated about this is um, really just the, the 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 emphasis on grace. I mean, I, I wasn't, you know, always saved. I wasn't always following Jesus. And, and for mm -hmm. this denomination to, to allow me to be a part, if you would, of, the, of this tribe was very honoring. Um, and, and I've had great, uh, for lack of a better word, man, uh, success slash significance in this denomination. Um, 
but that hadn't come with a lot of um, trial and error. Uh, my first appointment, um, one bishop, and I, and I would keep their name anonymous, but a lot of times um, as a black person, male or female, when you've gone through the process, jumped through all the institutional hoops, uh, I'm, I'm an ordained elder, came under the 2000 Book of this. I was an ordained deacon for two years, an elder. And one bishop once said, it's kind of disappointing that we get our brightest stars and put them on the most dismal appointments. And I agree with that mm -hmm. to a certain degree. Um, but that church really formed me. Uh, mm. I, I was able to, to, to do things I'd never done to challenge. And I, I'm not screwed up a lot, man, but I, <laughs> I was able to do ministry, um, in my own thought, my own thought. And, and they let me do it. Um, but at the same time, um, the church grew and, and but I remember one time and I wrote this note down as I was preparing for this, um, the church had, we were outgrowing our space and it was time to relocate or either build or relocate. So we had building, it was called missions and, and building relocation. So it was kind of like, we'd be like congregation development, a new church starts to this day. I go there, I keep this person named anonymous. And this person says, um, are you going to be like one of them, um, Kirby Johns? Like, huh? We, we, we need people connected. And are you going to be one? Of them? I said, well, no, nah, I'm going to be Mike Bowie. That's who I'm going to be. Um, well, you know, a lot of times, I don't, he didn't say you people, but he said, you know, a lot of people in the black church, they come, you know, and you got this champagne vision and a beer budget. I said, okay, um, that's why I'm here for support. Oh my gosh, wow. So that was my first encounter, Derek, of, of, of racism. Man, I'm like, you know, mm. microaggression. I'm like, dude, so just tell me how you feel. You know, so I don't know if he had something, axe to grind, but I was, you know, the object of his, his, his anger. But when it was relocating, you know, different facilities in the church grew. But I would say, man, that really um, lifted my, my leadership acumen lift, to give me uh, understanding what what um, empowerment and community engagement looked like. So I moved around the country, man, and not because I was uh, 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 insufficient, but the itinerancy really wherever everywhere i went it was a divine assignment they needed me there and i realized now i'm a revitalizer uh i, I i'm not one who closes i'm one who comes in identifies it turn things around and god what's next so uh so this denomination has really uh helped me to live into my my strengths but it, you know it unfortunately derek when i when i got here i never compare myself to anybody but i would always look at myself as a white male colleague counterpart, same seminary education, different school, but they would always have like the better appointment. I'm like, man, I can I can mm -hmm. hold my against anybody, you know. And but I always saw this disparaging, you know, yeah. um, with, with being black, you know. But I always, you know, I knew how to make lemons out of lemonade. That's that's where I was reared, you know. Even mm -hmm. as far back, you know, we had to build brick with straw. So you mm -hmm. know, I didn't mm -hmm. complain about it, but. Um, I saw every problem as a possibility and man, we just made it happen. So I think my attitude has really helped me in spite of this um, unfortunate racist. This is just very institutionalized and this stuff will come out. And um, I, I think uh, I, I would say this and, and the first time I've said this publicly, I've been, I would say they're demonized or created this demarcation because I'm a, I've come out of the camp of Windsor and St. John's. They say Pastor Rudy, you know, he was a local pastor, is a local pastor, retiring this year, and he wasn't Methodist. 
United because mm. he didn't jump through the hoops. But mm. he's a heck of a leader, you know, um, yeah. Gary Wesleyan. So I think I kind of got some of that tainting. Mm-hmm. But in spite of what people said about me, I just kept doing ministry, kept trusting God. And um, so I've had a great time in this journey. I'm 54. Uh, I think I want to do this maybe about 10, 10, 12 more years. Um, mm-hmm. But um, it, it, this has been a good place for me, been a good place for me. But I would dare to say it's been without struggle. It's been, been yeah. a struggle, man. But um, through it all, man, I, I've trusted God. I believed in um, myself in spite of what people have said. Um, and my track record has, speaks for itself. Um, so I think my journey has prepared me for where I am for, for such a time as this. So um, that's, I, hopefully I answered your question. Man. Oh, you totally did. Um, and if we had time, I would pull some of those threads, but I'm, I'm gonna keep us moving. Yeah. yeah. Um, some context, I think for folks is that you know, art, the history of the United Methodist Church and its treatment of Black Christians right. is fraught from yeah. the Methodist Episcopal Church splitting yeah. over the issue of slavery. Yeah, 1844. The, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then coming back together in 1939 yeah but (laughs) the compromise being the central jurisdiction yeah for all black united methodist clergy and churches so that white congregations would never have to receive a black clergy person and my my understanding well unless you want to, we won't go deep into mm-hmm. the central jurisdiction here. Right. Um, but there's, there's the, there is the, the, the weird compromise of it. And then there was the opportunity for black empowerment. Right. That also came from it. That then that, that sense of black empowerment, at least my understanding gets lost in 68 when we become the United Methodist church. Yeah joining with the evangelical evangelical united brethren right and so that's just created mm-hmm. this um oppression upon imp- oppression yeah yeah that that has created a ah uh, just a, a a i don't know what the right word is but uh, a cycle yeah. by which has made it very difficult yeah for black congregations to maybe actually thrive or, or yeah exist. yeah <laughs> and and maybe as yeah. we I, I want to talk about strength in the black church yeah yeah but I, I, I'd, I'd love for you to give me some perspective yeah. I mean I just gave yeah, those historical no, dates yeah no I think yeah. you painted the picture for those who don't know the journey of the um establishment of the United Methodist Church but I was just thinking man since and we can go back fact go as far back Derek as 17 I think <clears throat> 1787 when you had Richard Allen and Absalom Jones was a part of this first Methodist movement and they were mm-hmm. St. George's Church in, in, in uh, Philadelphia and uh, this group of black people um, were part of this kind of sect and um, mm-hmm. they were doing well they go to the altar to pray they pulled up say no nah, you can't pray here um, or not at this time so that's how you had the branch of the AME African Methodist Episcopal Church 
mm -hmm. Richard Allen, mm -hmm. Absalon Jones. So, but the crazy thing about this, Derek, as you say, it's been layer upon layer. And, and even yeah. as you were saying it, you almost getting tired and almost traumatized thinking about the stuff we've gone through. So yeah. close to yeah. 200 plus years, you know, black people, we've still been here. And we've been, if you will, for lack of a word, faithful mm -hmm. uh, and committed to, to this um, movement or the, I call it movement, it's institutionalized now, but um, mm. United Methodist Church. So, but but going back what you said, um, 1939, you would think um, to be blatantly segregated, but still here, it was a lot of empowerment in, in the central jurisdiction. I mean, black people had a, had a sense of identity. They knew who and whose they were, and it was kind of some self-determination, but then it was just always one to ascribe to be part of the other, the denomination. And I wasn't there, but most, most of my reading shows that when we became United Methodists, we kind of lost our sense of being as black people. I don't know if we were ashamed, mm. but we want to uh, ascribe and fit in. So I, I would say this in a nutshell, I call these buoyisms. Mm. Uh, instead of coming to be, be transformers, we became conformers. Mm. We conformed to the dominant culture and, and it's been our demise ever since. Um, mm. Because, you know, I would say, let's be honest, we're kind of, somebody said UMC means upper middle class. So we're a learned denomination, mm. um, kind of elitist, um, but I would say for the most part, you had some black people who just believe that, I mean, education is great. You know, I believe in education. I have my doctorate. But the point is the sense of being human, being validated at our humanity. And, and I would say this, Derek, um, since 1844 to 1939 to 1968, I would say we as black people, we have been merely tolerated rather than celebrated. Mm. Mm. And that's painful, but the mere fact we're still here. And, 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 and you know, we were talking more about general conference, but even after general conference, what would it look like for us who stand? And we, we can't stay the same way. There's going to be some non-negotiables. Right. And, and you know, we've been taken for granted so much. And with this, with the world being told, becoming more diverse and and, and browning, if you would, mm -hmm. the denomination hasn't. And mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah, what's up with that? So, so um, it's been disappointing. Uh, I would say, um, if we stay on this conversation long enough, I think it would it trigger and evoke some trauma that um, our foreparents have dealt with. And and I think maybe you and I on this call probably is almost, if you would. Um, uh, a dream or, or, or our, uh, what, what does that t-shirt says? Um, I, our ancestors are a uh, wildest dream or something. Mm -hmm. We are our ancestors wildest dreams. Yeah. yeah. And I think, you know, but, but those dreams didn't come without struggle and sacrifice and pain. Um, right. Right. So, so I would say, man, this, this, this denomination. And then I would say that the, 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 the um, tipping point was George Floyd, May 25th, 2020. And this denomination finally, I thought we got it right. I thought we was gonna get it. And we had this whole banner of dismantling racism mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. as a result of George Floyd. But we can go all the way back, but it took Joe, I think George Floyd's death was a strategic death. Mm. I believe to shift the narrative, to change the, the whole perspective of United Methodist. But unfortunately, Derek, there's a saying the more things change the more they stay the same yeah and yeah. now george Floyd has become just a, a afterthought a hashtag a bumper sticker mm -hmm. and um 
it, it, it vexes me and it, and it hurts me. Um, but I still believe that um, I'm called to be here. You're called to be here. Mm -hmm. and, and, and black people, and people have been kissed by the sun long and the others um, mm. are, are still called to be here. But we can't be taken for granted anymore. Yeah, Dr. Mike, I think it's important that people listening understand that two things can be true. There can be a true valid sense that the denomination has on its best day tolerated people of color. Yeah. And not truly included and involved people of color in decision-making. Mm. Yeah. And, and yeah. your experience can be one that the denomination, which actually means very specific people, have mm. been good to you. Right. Both of these things can be true. That uh, I can yeah. say the same thing as, as a layperson. Right. In the United Methodist Church, in Florida specifically, that I, I can't ignore the history. Right. Right. And yes, individuals and congregations and conferences have been really good to me. Right. And 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 I think sometimes the the work begins at us just being willing to hold both of those narratives. Intention, yeah. 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 So <laughs> take good. me take me to strengthening the black church and and how it comes on the scene and okay. and give me some of that history right. um and and some of what the original hope was for okay. it and and where we are now i'm gonna so, do it in five minutes I'm gonna do it you can take minutes. as long yeah. as you okay. need to so, yeah. so so for those who are listening um bmcr is black methods for church renewal it was birthed in 1968 in the merger when we became united Methodist. And BMCR is the only identified black caucus which addresses the advocacy and the needs of black people in the United Methodist Church. So it would be the advocating arm of the black church. 1996, people say, you know what? We need more resources to make churches vital, sustainable, and relevant in, in, in these times. So strengthening the black church for the 21st century came out 1996, which was the only identifiable resourcing arm for the black church. So you have BMCR advocacy, SBC 21 resourcing. They didn't birth out of each other, but th there were unique things. So, but BMCR came first and, and we worked together well, but so SBC came to, how do we strengthen churches? How do we um, strengthen pastors and laypersons to be um, the best leaders, the best version of themselves, if you would, but also we're committed to um, connecting with pastors and cross-racial appointments. So you have coaching, you have consultants, you have National Network of Young Adults, which is a focus of identify, equipping, and deploying um, young adults, uh, 18 to 35, and the black church sometimes 18 to 40. Uh, yes, yes. 42, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> it stretches. It, it depends mm -hmm. on what, what what region you're in in the country, what, what a jurisdiction. But, um, Absolutely. So we committed. So, so we cr create pipeline and ecosystem for young black clergy to go through the process to be ordained, also to be uh, innovative, impactful persons in the marketplace. So we create that. But then also we have this Office of Social Justice and Transformation where we seek to 
and mass incarceration. We we help congregations get involved in issues of social justice to be equipped, empowered, and educated on things like uh, poverty, uh, things like what is recidivism, things like what is uh, uh, um, human sex trafficking, what is, um, you know, how is poverty connected to mass incarceration and how do those look and how can you get involved in that? Um, so, so those are some of the things we do uh, with SBC 21. And unfortunately, Derek, since its infancy, since its beginning, it was never um, adequately funded compared to the other national plans, whether it be Hispanic plan, Korean plan, Asian plan. So we're be, for like we're the black plan um, of, of mm-hmm. United Methodist Church. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that being said, as we move forward, as we move forward 25, 26, almost 27 years later, with everything shifting, with disaffiliation, uncertainty of our future, guess who gets the chopping block first? The black church. Now, world services where people give their uh, their tithes and offers their benevolence. Um, so we get our budget is birthed out of that. And we're under, we're housed under uh, discipleship, discipleship ministries, uh, which is the, the, the discipleship arm of the black church where the right. late Julius Dodson was the uh, general secretary to see mm-hmm. all the people. So with mm-hmm. every plan, you have um, agencies that cover it. So, so, so we right now discipleship ministry. We have SB twenty one and the national and his and the uh, not Hispanic Native Native American Native American plan. Mm-hmm. So, so mm-hmm. with that being said, um, our budget has been uh, decreased, um, but our work still increases. Uh, the right. work, the, the need doesn't change. So that's kind of the history of um, SBC twenty one and. Um, the work is needed now more than ever before. I think in the last segment we talked, I told you about um, um, the whole issue of racism. And if our goal in 2020 was to dismantle racism based on the death of George Floyd and others, you know, from everything from 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 um, Tamir Rice to 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 the the first one, who was uh, uh, what's in in Florida? In your oh Trayvon Martin. Trayvon. Mm-hmm. 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 But the lack of investment in the black church. I mean, I, I hopefully somebody from connectional uh, tables listen to this video and even some mm-hmm. bishops. So how can you say you're trying to dismantle racism and you aren't investing in the very people who've been impacted by racism? And to me, to not invest in the black church is to perpetuate that what you're saying you're trying to dismantle. Mm-hmm. So to not invest in the black church right now, to me, is a disservice is i would say sure just sinful um yeah so, so so but we're still doing we're doing we're doing great work uh we, we we don't complain but we just do the best we have and what we have and we would love you all to support uh sbc 21 you don't have to be black to support it if, if you are ally of justice and, and, and you believe that all people are created equal we would love for your support so that's what we do um that's who we are dr mike what is the gift of the black church to the United Methodist Church. Wow. I, I would say going back, there was this guy they called him Black Harry. Harry Hoosier was a heck of a, c- couldn't read or write, but he was a heck of a pre- preacher. 
they say he was one of the best preachers, black or white, uh, just being a part of this movement. So we have prophetic preaching. Uh, we have that prophetic voice of uh, really speaking, if you will, for lack of a better word, truth to power. Um, uh, our our uh, way we worship. Now, mind you, for those who are listening, um, black people, we're not a monolith. We're, we're both progressive, liberal, centrist and conservative. We, mm -hmm. we love high church, low church. And no church, you know. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, so some people love high and great hymns. Some people love just the uh, holiness and, and, and vibrant praise and worship. So we bring all that. We, we have a, a flavor that we bring, I believe, that makes this United Methodist Church better. I mean, yeah. to a denomination, I believe that is insipid, that, that's very kind of bland. We, we bring flavor. And of course, mm. Hispanics and other um, plans, minority plans. But, but I would say for us, um, when you had church growth, Derek, in the nineties, it was the black church. It was the winds of village. It, it, it was the, um, hope What's hope. Um, Dr. Carlisle Felding Stewart, Dr. Stewart in Detroit, you know, um, you had Tyrone Gordon, you had Zan Holmes. So, so we had the black church really helped this thing, um, keep moving forward. But so, and, and we have a, a, a love passion for community, um, we, we, we're, we're very compassionate people. And I say that in a, in a broad uh, range because I would say um, a lot of times we lean more on Eastern of uh, being communal versus being individualistic. Um, yeah. Yeah. So um, we, 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 um, so between our prophetic voice, between our, um, our worship, between our community engagement, Mm -hmm. I would say our, our, our social justice understanding, I think it can be stronger. And we'll talk about that later. Uh, but we bring something. And, and, and all of this, Derek, was birthed out of um, some people are fourth and fifth year, fifth generation United Methodists. But most most of us, I would say, have been engrafted for lack of better word into this because we, we mm -hmm. love the, the issue of grace. We, we, we love mm -hmm. what uh, kind of what Wesley laid out. But um, I, I think for the most part now, um, as the black church, and, and I want to just say this, we, we can't lose the stuff that God has given us. And, and I mm. believe um, there is this thing now I've learned. I just got this phrase. It's called learn helplessness. So if you Google learn mm. helplessness, it's, it's when you've gone through uh, seasons and moments of negativity and trauma, it literally shapes one's being and one's faith is determined. Well, why do I need to try again? I'm just going to fail. And that's what learn helplessness does. So I believe right now, Derek, we are in a season of learn helplessness. Black people. And not realizing that that I believe Dr. King said it best, you know, the, the local church is still hopeful world, and I believe the black church is going to be the church there that's going to navigate us out of this season of uncertainty. Because you know this this disruption is not new to us. We've been disrupted right. since sixteen nineteen. Come on now, yeah. So we we can show you how to how to love and lead out of disruption, but yeah. I believe um, I'm speaking. This is now a, 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 a shameless plug. If you give us resources, we I'll show you how to lead. Mm. I'll show you how my, my, my love doesn't cost anything, but I will show you how to love and lead because this this costs, man. And, and, and people want us to do more with less. And then they say the black church ain't doing anything. I, I would say this in closing. Viola Davis, um, 
mm. actress Viola Davis was being interviewed by it wasn't Derek Scott, but somebody was interviewing her. And they said, Viola, what's the difference between you and Meg Ryan or Julia Roberts? She said, you know what? I, I can do just as much as them. But the thing about us is opportunity. Mm -hmm. They give me an opportunity. So, you know, if I was afforded the same opportunity as my white colleagues, I'll show you what I can do. But unfortunately, there have been a few bad cases in our black context that, that's kind of paint this picture negative about the black church and there's more i would say other churches who've done more but they always get more funding mm -hmm. and most of our my, my counterparts Derek, they get promoted even when they fail yeah yeah so so that that's that's something about, about the black church but the gift is but guess what man we're resilient yeah we are we're resilient i mean we and we keep moving forward and, and i would say um if the denomination doesn't celebrate us we're gonna start celebrating ourselves Come on. Yeah. So that's 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 kind of my role. I don't speak for all black people, but as a <laughs> as a national director, I want us to realize that to reclaim who we who we are and be unapologetic about it, to love our, our dreads, to love who we are. And sometimes we might put a we might put a preposition at the end of the sentence, but it's okay. We love Jesus. Mm. Yeah. So so that's yeah. So so but we, we we're a gift. Mm -hmm. and, and sometimes we have to let people know and sometimes we forget man we, we're gifted people i mean we were birthed out of the struggle right you know and, and a lot of people have learned from us i I'm, I've, I've talked to a, a latina you know latinx and hispanics they said man you know we learn from you all because we understand the struggle and, and you all have and we had made it through the struggle it's still a struggle but we've come a long way and by god's grace we're still here and we got a long way to go and it's happened through this context called united methodist church Let's take a quick break. Yeah. Dr. Mike, this podcast is called Bar of the Conference. Um, it is specifically about the United Methodist Church and really looking at our general conference. And I'm asking the question of, you know, what are the stories, what are the narratives that people are taking with them into the bar of the conference? What, yeah. what are, we can talk about legislation that yeah. definitely will happen the closer we get to right. 2024. Um, but it's, it's, it's these lies, it's these stories, it's, it yeah. is these narratives that can't be legislated, but are as much in the conversation as any of the issues that we're dealing with. So yeah. I say all that, usually I then direct us mm -hmm. to these pivotal moments. Yeah. And I think that we can acknowledge that 1844 was a pivotal moment. Yeah. 1939, 1968, for strengthening the black church, 1996 mm -hmm. general conference. The special session in 2019 I think is a pivotal moment that has us one of the main factors of the disruption we're living right now. Right. And, and so I've asked all my guests about their response to the passing of the traditional plan. Um, and I'm curious your thoughts on it. Okay. As well as your take 
on how Black United Methodists received that news, yeah. and 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 it's in its aftermath, yeah. and and we'll we'll see where we go from there. But I yeah. loved your take yeah. on what happened yeah. in February twenty nineteen. Good. good setup, uh, Derek. I, I think life has defining moments, mm -hmm. and you, you call disruptive moments. And I think uh, twenty nineteen was a very uh, defining or disruptive moment that I believe that God was trying to get our attention. I was there. I wasn't as a delegate, but I was there as a board member of Discipleship Ministries. Mm -hmm. And as I sat um, in a in a uh, in the bleachers and watching the votes, I, it took me back there to. And, and I said this. So just I, I wrote a book called Dare to Shift, and in one chapter I compared that 2019 vote to that of Richard Allen, Absalom Jones being pulled out of the um, St. George's church. Yeah. And I say, you know, black people were good enough to build up your numbers, but they weren't human enough to really be a part fully of, of the family. So they had mm. to leave out. And I think with the whole issue of LGBTQ, um, not comparing the two, but, but they're both issues of justice. Yeah. And for that to be the center of the focus and to get that like a slap in the face, it was all to me, to me, it was like just 1787 all over again. Mm. Once again, people are tolerated, but not fully celebrated. And, and, you know, and I say this and I, in the black community, black context, you know, there was, you know, there was a gay man playing the organ. Not saying all people, play, but 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 he was a part of the family. Yeah. But was never fully included in the family because of being other, being different, mm -hmm. but still created in the Mago Day. Yeah. Um. So 2019 really affected me, and not realize I was going to be in this this space of work. So less than a year later, I got put in this position, and it's like, how do I leverage this moment? And not see another 2019 happen again. So, so with that being said, you know, how do we leverage, lift up, and heighten the stories of people from all walks of life? Because I believe all people matter to God. And the traditional plan is just that a traditional plan, but I believe what's God's plan? Mm. God has mm. a plan for this church and for those who went traditional, your GMC, um, God bless them. Mm -hmm. But for those who are here, how do we use this moment to really live into the beloved community? What does yeah. that look like? Uh, so that's that's my that's my assignment. That's Ooh. my assignment. You know? I appreciate that. Um, I want to take us down a very specific road, and it's a bit risky. So. <laughs> Okay. We'll see Let's what happens. Water. Let's see. Okay. We are aware you said it earlier that the black church is not a monolith. Mm -hmm. And and that is both in worship style and in politics. Everything. Right? Everything. And so theology for sure. And yeah. so as there are some black United Methodists. Who are who are like me? Who um, 
progressive is not really the most accurate term, but that's the camp I get put in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And some of it is because I'm an out gay man um, and believe that this is the way God created me. And so I get put into those, those categories, fine, fine, fine. And yet I am aware of Black United Methodists that um, would not be labeled progressive right. and do not have uh, their eyes towards inclusion of queer folk as sort of a priority if, if it is even on the list of things that need to happen yeah. in the church. We have that whole spectrum within right. the Black church. Right. And I just want to observe something as we are watching disaffiliations and 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 some congregations now joining the global Methodist church. My observation is, and somebody can email me and tell me that I'm wrong, mm-hmm. it is relatively few black congregations that are A, disaffiliating, right? And B going to the global Methodist church. Right. Correct. And I, I can name that some of it is. When you scramble just to keep the program and operating budget together, mm-hmm. thinking about how you're gonna pay a, a, a pension liability is yeah. not even in the conversation. So right. I want to name that. But I am I wrong in this observation that it's relatively few? Yeah, that are leaving. And so I'm cu- I'm curious. Yeah. What your thoughts are on yeah, that? You're correct. I mean, just the research to show probably I would say maybe less than two percent of black churches around the country have disaffiliates. Some have disaffiliated because they want to be independent. They want to pay apportionments. So, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. but others have others have left because they say they believe in the Bible. They believe. And I would say there's been a lot of fear mongering that. um the church is becoming gay. The church is becoming mm. too liberal. We're trying to change Jesus. All those false narratives, which are yeah. far from the truth for those who are listening. Mm-hmm. But but I would say this is a moment, Derek, for me. Um, I can be in conversation and relationship with you as a heterosexual male. But at the same time, I think because I, I know who I am and whose I am. But I think where we are right now this is a defining moment. What would it look like if you, your peers, would have a conversation with me and my peers, and we say, you know what? So check this out. I'm a, I, I, I'm a very, I, I like giving kind of hypotheticals, but just if if, if you're driving down a street in Jacksonville, Florida, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and a police, a white cop sees you. Mm-hmm. They don't see a gay black man. They do not see a gay black, black man. man who yeah. is whatever narrative you have. They don't see if you're Democrat, Republican. They see a black man. When mm-hmm. they see me, they see a black man. So, with that being said, we put ourselves in these in these camps. So, my thing right now, because black people, any white people, we all have gay people in our family. My stepbrother is gay, and because we have a different ideology understanding of uh, of sexuality he's still my brother mm-hmm. now but what happens and this is why i'm a challenge at the black church we say we're prophetic but when it gets to moments like this we become pathetic to not to stand up for Derek scott stand up for you don't make me gay mm-hmm. stand up for you don't make me queer stand up for you makes me 
an ally to someone who's human. Mm. And, and I believe that to have you in solidarity with me, hell, it makes me better because you got gifts I don't have. I mean, whatever type of gifts, because I can do something to strengthen you and vice versa. But yeah. what we've done, we've lived into this, this narrative of this lie from, I'm going to say it, the, the, the GMC, um, mm. that separated us. So, so I say this, there, sexuality hadn't been our issue in the black church, but my issue is do we don't embrace it and we don't, we don't uh, own our brother. So I, I'm an alpha mm. man, alpha mm. by alpha. <laughs> so, so one of my fraternity brothers is Jay. I think Jay, what's Jay, Jay Williams? Is it Jay, Jay Williams? Yeah, yeah. Strong brother, but he's openly mm -hmm. gay black man. But guess what? He's still, I, I can't kick him out of Alpha Alpha. <laughs> That's my brother. Yeah. So, but, and we have dialogue. So, so, so I, I wanted to have a conversation and it never happened. Maybe you can mm -hmm. do this and I, I would probably highly recommend you do it. Mm -hmm. and, and you can say the spirit gave it to you via through Mike Bowie. <laughs> what is it like for black people to have a conversation? Because we're not a monolith. Mm -hmm. we're straight, gray, gay. We're, we're, we're trying to figure this thing out, but we're black. Mm -hmm. People see you as a black person. They don't see you as a black republic. They see you as a black man or a black woman. And I say mm -hmm. that, how can our blackness be the thing that brings us together mm. and not sexuality be the thing that separates us? That is it. So that's why I am, man. When, when I talk about a movement, the movement is going to be straight, gay in our community. And, and, and man, think about it. If we could hold that intention... Man, we'll be a powerful force. We'll scare the hell out of people. I mean, because mm. the pushes that we have, but we've lived into this doggone lie. And now we've, if we could get past that, man, I believe that we would have a stronger community. Um, I talked to my stepbrother the other day, you know, and, and he's doing great stuff. But it's like, I don't trip on his sexuality. I mean, I don't care who who you in relation with, Derek, but guess what? I got a relation with you. Mm-hmm. But 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 I, but I think um, the the conservative and the you know they, they have taken this thing and I'm like man where is Jesus and all this what what, mm. what is it Mago Day has to do do with all this so yeah so, so that that's my um, I would say if, if I be around here Derek time ninety two that's what I'm giving my life to that, that mm. I, I want to raise my my grandsons and maybe granddaughter whoever we have coming in. Um, <laughs> To, to be a person who really honors and respects humanity. Yeah. Um, pa Pastor Rudy Rasmus, one of my mentors, he said, Mike, because mind you, I, I, I've, I've progressed. I've come a long way, man. And, well, and hopefully we're all on a journey yeah. towards perfection and yeah, being more like yeah. Jesus. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and I would say that because, and you said this wasn't a slippery slope, but I think it's the elephant in the room that we don't talk about. Um, but Pastor Rudy says something. He said, um, when we start determining who's in or who's out of the kingdom of God, you, you're skating on thin ice. Because mm -hmm. we don't have a heaven or a hell to put anybody in. But by the grace of God, hopefully, I'm on my way to heaven. Yeah. You know, and yeah. I say that, man. Mm. But 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 I don't think people have enough holy boldness to have these conversations mm. because. This conversation, it just makes me an ally. It, you know, in, in closing, um, Baynard Ruston, is it Baynard Ruston? Bayard. Bayard Ruston. He, mm -hmm. he was an openly gay black man, but he couldn't be openly gay in community 
because many nights this dude got beat up, but he was responsible for the organization of the civil rights movement. Dr. King, mm -hmm. if it wasn't for him, we would we'd been, it would have been chaos. Yeah. Now everybody has a role to play. So, mm -hmm. so this is nothing new. So, so how do we allow people to live in who they are, operate in their gifts, uh, maximize their strengths, and, and, and we just experience heaven on earth? At, at, you know. So, so I, I say that, man. Um, we, we've come a long way, but um, I, I'm speaking for my black people. But black people, we got a long way to go. And, and you know, had I known you were a gay black man coming on, guess what? I would have had me some questions rated. <laughs> that didn't even matter. Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, so so, mm -hmm. so we got to get past that, man. So, yeah. so I think we could be a better... Um, we have a moment to, to reshape history. Yeah. And, 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 it, it, and I'm going to say this, man. It, our our, our, our short-sightedness, um, our sin, you know... Um, if we can pe be people of grace, we talk about we love the theology of grace, man. I don't see grace a lot of times. I, I didn't see grace in 2019. Mm. I mm. saw legalism. Yeah. So, yeah. Dr. Mike, that is powerful personally. So thank you. You said many things that I, 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 I want us to follow up over. There's one thing in particular, and it, it's a tactic that I often see happen in sort of the the battles for the culture where there is this sort of strategy of divide and conquer, if right. you will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good word. And and I think that that's one thing that we've seen yep. in in this this the the last few years of wrestling around disaffiliations mm -hmm. and, and things like that. And, and let me just name, I know that there are people who are listening who have a different perspective. Yeah. And, and we respect the bar, and, and the bar of the conference is going to include some of those conversations. Yeah. So stay tuned. But I, I, I want to go to one particular piece um, around that division that happens in the Black church. Thank you for naming the ways that sexuality divides us when our Blackness could bring us back together. Right. One thing I think also happens is is the the differences in generations. What do you think about this division that occurs with the generations in the black church? Yeah, where you do have a Kirby John Caldwell or a Rudy Rasmus, um, and then you've got a Kevin Kosh, mm -hmm. and you've got a Natalie Jones Parker. Yeah. And it's almost like there's this huge gulf yeah. between these two. Yeah. And, and don't get me wrong, I'm pretty sure that I, I know that <laughs> Pastor Rudy has elevated the next generation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I know. So, but yeah. I think you hear what I'm what yeah, I'm yeah, asking. I know you're going, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would say this, man. You know, great point, great point. And I talk about this in my book. You know, I'm, I'm, I I still hear people say that, but but. I think right now this is an intergenerational move movement. I think you you need the experience of the boomers. I'm a Gen Xer, the kind of sandwich forgotten generation. I'm on the back end of and it. So yes, end. with you. Mm -hmm. Then you have the millennials. Mm -hmm. Then you have the Gen Zers, and now you have the Alpha. Um, 
everybody has a role to play. And I think um, Psalms 145 says, and each generation will tell the story of the awesomeness of God. So, so I, I think what I saw in, in the black churches I serve, the disconnect, Derek, and, and I would say this is not a broad universal stroke, but what I one of the issues I saw is boomers, first of all, they dealt with segregation. Mm-hmm. They drank out of mm-hmm. separate water fountains. They were they were just treated less than human. So the to live into this humanity that I am man. Remember the whole uh, the I am man, I am woman. Mm-hmm. I, you know, mm-hmm. trying to wrestle with their humanness, being boy, and go back. You know, being boy on a job, but being brother and sister in the church, mm-hmm. being uh, s- subjugated on a job but being elevated in a church. So this position gave them status, you know, they didn't want to let that go. Cause that, that gave them a sense of being because everybody's struggling with something. Quick example. I was, I was talking to a, a former member where I was pastoring and this, this person is probably 75, 72, 70, 73. 70. I said, Hey, brother, such and such, uh, uh, what I've heard here is it's time to get new leaders involved and blah, blah, blah. Uh, what would it look like? He, he said, well, I want to lead. I say, you can lead, but you don't have to be the chair. And your name will have to be on everything. He said, but 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 he needed that to validate his identity. Mm-hmm. I said, but what would it look like if, because you're a follower of Jesus, that you would take all that lived experience and pour into somebody like me or a millennial. That's mm-hmm. the greatest thing you could do. Mm-hmm. What you think about that? He was like, yeah, but I'm like, no, ain't no buts. <laughs> you know, I was trying to ship so everybody can be in the shared leadership moment. But 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 I think um, so. So I believe right now old things are dying. off. I don't want people to die, but people are dying every day. Somebody died just this moment since we've been on this podcast. Several people have died. But I think we have to die to old ways of thinking, old ways of doing, because if, if we don't die, if we don't shift. We're going to continue to decline. And I think I, 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 going back to the black church, if we could embrace all generations, man, that's power. That's mm. power. That's mm. power. I mean, so even like Gen Z, they are they are so entrepreneurial. So right. how do we use that spirit, that mindset to permeate into someone, you know, um, who may be a boomer? I mean, and, and even how does how does a gen how does a Gen Z help a, a, a baby boomer? Mm. They set up mm. their stuff on their iPhone. They they do all the stuff, you know. <laughs> anyway, right now, but but in 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 the in the church, how, how can a a, a a a millennial be the head of SPRC? Come on, I'm not saying own it, but leading it. Yeah, because that's yeah. a that's an early forty year old, late thirty year old right now. Mm-hmm. So I think it's about. Um, being confident in self, knowing who you are. I said it several times and who you are and not be driven by titles, but be driven by tasks. Oh. So, so I think mm. sexuality has been a, a, a divider. Age has been a divider and, and, and it's kept us weak. I mean, we've gotten weak and not realizing for the lack of better word, we're better together. So yeah. we need each other. What do you think general conference 2020 that will be in 2024 yeah what do you think that space needs to be about general conference needs to shift for those who are listening um i would say right now the way you can't legislate change um 
a committee that do that. I, I, I think it's valuing persons and honoring their stories. I, I think if, if, if you, this is what you're doing, you told me, when I read the description, setting the bar, because we set the bar, as you said, at annual conference. If the bar could be set based on relationships and on p- impactful stories, hmm. I think you have a great day. So, so what would it look like at, at each moment of legislation conversation? It was a story that really heightened all the language and the Christianese and the legalese and the therefore whereas is um, resolution talk, but the stories matter. And I think now we have to shift our measurings from, from matrix to how do we value and measure relationships. So I think that's what general yeah. conference needs to go in a nutshell. Mm. How do you do it? I don't know, but I think it could happen if we want to shift. Mm. What does the United Methodist Church need to do if it really wants to strengthen the black church for the future? Ah, that's good. That's a whole nother podcast. I, I think, first of all, realizing that all people matter to God, that black people have brought sacred worth and value to this denomination. And first of all, to say that publicly and to mm-hmm. say I'm sorry to repent. We mm-hmm. get it from Native Americans. It hadn't it hadn't happened for black people. It's been kind of tongue in cheek, but that we matter, and we what like four percent. I mean, but with thirteen percent of 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 the population, but saying you know what, we want to see this happen, and we're willing to invest, invest mm-hmm. the time, mm-hmm. the talent, the treasure, the resources to make it happen. Um, I think we've done a piss poor job to really grow this denomination with people of color. Um, I think it's been a lid placed on us. But if we really want to see um, this thing turn around, as Viola Davis said, man, give us an opportunity and watch what happens. Dr. Mike Bowie, thank you for uh, just a powerful conversation. Thank you, man. Personally and in all the ways, um, I'm grateful for your prophetic voice. I'm grateful for your insight and your understanding of what's happening. Um, and I'm, I am praying that uh, you will continue to be trusted with this space, with this role, so that we can, by strengthening the Black church, make the United Methodist Church stronger yeah. for the sake of the gospel, yeah. for the sake of transforming the world. Amen. Thanks Appreciate so much. You. Thank you, my friend. Thanks a lot. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Bar of the Conference is produced by the team at Wesley's Revival, a ministry of Studio Wesley. Subscribe to this show on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or Google platforms so you don't miss a single episode. Thanks for joining us, and see you next time.